0: As we're continuing in our series, Church on Fire, if you're taking notes at home, which I hope you are, and if you're not, um, this is the perfect time to get a pen and paper out or your notepad on your iPad or your phone. But if you're taking notes tonight, the title of this message is Week 10, Walking in the Way. Kind of like Jacob's doing right now on the camera. (laughs) Walking in the Way. Continuing in our study of Acts, last week, We talked about how the believers were scattered as seeds throughout Judea and Samaria, preaching the truth in the midst of persecution. How we need to embrace the scatter. Right now, with COVID 19, we're being scattered back to our homes. And I feel like God is telling us that we need to embrace that scatter in the midst of plague and and disease and crisis and give God glory through our home life because. I believe if we want to get real, the biggest miss right now in our lives is we have forsaken the home life. Um, we have forgotten how to do it. Families don't know how to eat together or live together. Husband and wives are finding out that they don't know each other. Um, people are finding out that they don't know just how to live normal everyday lives and I believe we are to embrace this and let our homes be restored back to his headship and his leadership. Can someone say amen? I want you to shout so loud I can hear you through the camera lens. That's weird. Last week we saw that in chapter 8 it started off by talking about a man who was persecuting believers. Um, Not just persecuting them but had a strong dislike for believers and had a Uh, aim and a notion to kill any follower of Jesus, and his name was Saul. Well, tonight, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to see what Saul is going to continue to do with persecuting people who are following Jesus. So in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, starting out, it says this, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. Just to give you a little context, in case you've missed the past couple weeks, we have seen the first martyr, Stephen, stoned. Um, Saul being one of the people who approved of this. And through the next chapter, we see that Saul is continuing on this persecution. In this first verse of Acts chapter 9, Saul, the one who wants to kill all these Christians, we see a a character trait. He's angry, he's violent, Um, he is convinced of his own righteousness. Saul is not just someone who is high up in government, but he believes that his way and his beliefs are above any of these so-called Jesus followers. He felt like his way was the right way, and he was completely against the idea that Jesus was the way. Someone shout the way. The way. Someone shout the way. The way. Kids at home, shout the way. In the next verse, we actually see the Christianity being referred to as this term, the way. In verse 2, it says this of Acts chapter 9, verse 2, it says, Saul requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. He found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. You see, the name given to Christians back at this time was, guess what? The way. The way. People looked at them because they were no longer living in the way of priestly beliefs. They were living in the way of Jesus. They were living different than the accepted religious beliefs of the time. And Saul... In Damascus, Saul That the way was getting into Damascus And Saul being so caught up In his own way And his own thoughts of what was right Saw one thing I've got to get to Damascus And stop the spread of this false way Because he felt his way was bigger His way was better The religious order of which they adopted Was better than this so-called Messiah named Jesus And he was so convinced that he was right he wanted to do anything to stop it which included killing christians and as i read that i began to wonder how many of us are actually walking in the way how many of us proclaim the way And how many of us actually walk in such a way that our life is distinguished in how different we act and how we respond in comparison to those who do not know the way that we react and we respond and we live in such a degree of distinction that our identity is no longer in who we are. Our identity is not even in our nationality. Our identity is not in our race. Our identity is not in our grassroots. Our identity is in Jesus. Our identity is in the way. Everything Jesus did at this time was so different than the laws of religion that it offended people to the point of wanting to get rid of the way. The way was what they referred to as the followers of Christians. Everything Jesus did was offensive to religious law. And I want to take a little time to talk about one of the biggest religious things that Jesus came against. This week, in fact, I believe it's Wednesday, we begin Passover, which goes toward the end of the month. This week, Passover starts, and and even in the Passover, we see that Jesus makes a bold declaration against the religious idea of what Passover is all about. The author of Acts, Luke, actually writes about what Jesus did during Passover in the book of Luke. You see, Passover was referred to as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We talked about that earlier in the series, but... This feast was the biggest feast in Jerusalem because what this feast was, it was the celebration of the next coming harvest. They were believing that the next harvest that would make them fruitful was coming, so everyone came to Jerusalem. It was a huge feast everyone celebrated. Well, at this time in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it was also paired with a remembering of a Passover time in the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. The Israelites, the people of God, being delivered from Egyptian slavery. In fact, many will agree that the Passover celebration when the Israelites were freed from the Egyptian slavery and the firstborns were spared with the blood over the door and, 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 and the, 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 the spirit of judgment coming over the houses to take the firstborns and those covered in the blood were, were saved and released and literally passed over, many believe that this was a central act of redemption in the Old Testament. It was paired with this time of harvest time. When the Feast of Unleavened Bread came, people were going to have Passover. And I want to just say this. We are in the midst of a great plague and a great disease, COVID-19. No matter if you believe it's, a, if it's fake or if it's real or whatever it is, something is coming against our country. And I want to make sure that we do not shy away from the truth that this week with Passover is a recognition of something, that harvest is coming. It may be that COVID-19 lasts the end of April, it may be months, it may be through the rest of the year, I don't know how long it is, but what I do know is that this will end, there is a time and a season for everything, and at the end of it, I believe wholeheartedly that we are going to go into the most fruitful season we've ever seen in the church. Can someone say amen if you believe that? Amen. We may be in hard times right now, but instead of being down and out, let's celebrate that harvest is coming and this thing is going to end soon. Well, there is something significant about Passover with what the author Luke writes about. The feast was paired with remembering a time of deliverance in Egypt. During the Passover meal, there was a certain custom that was celebrated. There was a certain thing they did at every Passover meal and celebration. The first thing at Passover was that bread was lifted up at the beginning of the meal and it was declared that the bread represented the affliction of all the fathers that were persecuted in Egypt. Remember, at this time uh, when Jesus came, what happened in Egypt with Moses and the Passover and all those things was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So they are remembering what happened. They remembered the redemption. They remember what it was. They had bread and they lifted up saying this represents our our people being afflicted. At that meal, there was also normally four different cups uh, of wine which were sipped during the meal. There were also many bitter herbs at the meal. And the bitter herbs at the dinner would actually represent the bitterness of slavery. There was also salt water. It represented the tears of Egypt's uh, oppression. And what's interesting is in the Passover meal, the main course that all of this bread and wine and all these things are being set up for was that a fresh lamb would be sacrificed representing the judgment of God passing over the household that believed being delivered from death. It was a celebration lamb. And if you read the accounts in the scripture, Jesus was not explaining Passover on Passover. In fact, if you read the accounts in Luke, the night that Jesus took communion with the disciples, the night before, the night that he was betrayed, the night before that he would be, 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 be tried and put on the cross and all this, it wasn't on Passover. It was actually the night before Passover. So already Jesus is coming in the face of religious law and religious things saying, I'm not going to do this Passover meal on Passover. I'm going to do it the night before. Jesus, the way, everyone shout the way, went totally off from the religious celebration of Passover. He took the Passover, the meal, the night before, and then he said something totally in the face of religion. He says, usually we recognize the bread as the affliction of our Jewish forefathers but now I want you to recognize this bread as my body afflicted for your sins usually we sip the wine and we have salt water representing the tears shed in the bitterness of slavery remembering oppression but now This wine has a new symbol. It's my bloodshed for you that you are in a new covenant, that you will be made forever right in me, that you no longer have to earn righteousness. You no longer have to earn perfection. You are now made perfect under my blood covenant. He says, Usually we eat a lamb, but tomorrow on actual Passover, I am becoming the lamb, the final lamb that will be slain, so that the judgment of sin will pass over. All of you, and you will be one with my Father in heaven, and he will see you as his perfect temple, a perfect house under my blood. You see, what Jesus did in the midst of all this, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus was coming against everything that they were celebrating and making it all about him. It was, it, it, it was a very, very big in the face, I, I know we celebrate this, But this is going to take a new meaning, and he taught that to the disciples. Having said all that, maybe it's time to stop complaining about COVID and start recognizing a covering under the blood so that even in the face of death, a judgment of God will pass over us because we won't die forever but live eternally. So I ask this, if you really believe that, why are we so scared of a disease if we know that the judgment of God is going to pass over us? I've seen so many prophecies, and if I may be so bold, it's not original that all you prophets are having the same prophetic word in a stressful time. And I know that may offend some of you, but quite frankly, I'm getting tired of everyone thinking they're getting fresh revelation because my, my Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. God's revealing the same thing to us, but one thing that 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 that, that is just getting to me is that we're all focusing on the religion of this is Passover and, and this is all about the, the Israelites and Moses and the blood. No, 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 no. Jesus turned the meaning of Passover we, we had the truth of Passover in the Old Testament but Jesus says I'm making this a whole new thing and I want you to walk in my way and I want you to understand this is no longer focusing on when I lifted the curse of my people in Egypt. I want you to focus that the Passover is now my blood, allowing the, the the judgment of God to pass over you, because He no longer sees something to judge; He sees something that's perfect and righteous and beautiful. Passover is no longer about Passover. Passover is about blood covenant in Jesus. If I may be so bold. Now, going back to the scripture, is this okay? <laughs> Going back to our scriptures, why did I say all that? Do you realize how sacrilegious it was for Jesus to take Passover and make it about him? This is the kind of stuff that the religious authorities hated about Jesus. This was the way that Saul despised. Because he could not see truth. He saw a man in the face of religion. His way. What he knew to be true. So Saul begins to head to Damascus to extinguish the way. Well, in verse 3 of Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 4, it says this. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I want to make sure we paint an accurate picture of what's going on here. Many preachers preach on this passage and we really focus on the the road to Damascus experience and how Saul was blinded. But I, I, I want to bring some new light and I want to make sure we paint a very clear picture about what's going on here. Paul actually writes about his own experience in Acts chapter 22. And I want to read what he says in Acts 22 verse 6. It says this, as I was on the road, approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. You see, it wasn't just that it was a bright light. It was a light that was, it was in the middle of the day. It was at noon. It was when the sun was shining brightest in the day. And at the brightest time the sun was shining in the day, an even brighter light came and shined so bright and shown around him that he fell to the ground in fear. He was in survival mode because can you imagine in the middle of the day when the sun is at its brightest, a light appears brighter than the sun. That's a pretty terrifying thing to experience, and Saul fell to the ground. On the way to destroy the way, his way of doing things was interrupted. He was going to destroy something and stop something that he believed to be totally wrong and his way, his wants was interrupted. I wonder what God uses to interrupt your way so that we can get back in line with his way. You see, we look at every interruption as something inconvenient and we never wonder, is God going to use this to get me realigned to the right direction and the way he wanted me to go? I in no way am, am claiming that God sent COVID-19. I'm not going to say he didn't. I don't know. I don't know where this came from. I'm not going to say its source. I don't believe God sent it, but I do believe that God can use it. What if this interruption is actually revealing where we truly are in our, our relationship with him? Because if we can just get real honest, and many churches and pastors who may be watching will agree, Tithes and offerings are low. Participation in video things are low. Because in the midst of crisis, people, just like Saul, when something big interrupts, they crouch down in fear instead of standing up in boldness. And I'm not talking about a boldness where we come together as a church in person despite government officials. I'm talking about whatever we've got to do to come together in the way we honor things. None of us are being bold. We're holding on to our money. We're raiding stores. We're taking everything out. We are scared to death that something's going to happen. I believe it's revealing where we're at because if you truly trust that He is your deliverer, why aren't you trusting that He is going to deliver you? It's a revealing of where we're at, church. I'm just going to be real with you. At Relentless, we've taken a hit a little in tithes and offerings. We usually take in a certain amount, And it's been a little bit lower. I'm not saying that to try to convict you. That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm simply being being real and I'm being transparent that where have we gone? Now, granted, some of us are out of jobs. We're praying. I get all that. Am I worried about the tithe and offering? Heck no. Why? I trust God. God's got a purpose for relentless. God's got a purpose for me stewarding relentless, and we're not going to go without. I'm trying to give you, though, a picture of what's going on. Some of us are so scared that we're holding on to everything in the tightest grip, and we are not trusting in God. And if that's you, I hope it offends your spirit so that you can realize maybe you're not as close in walk with him as you think you were because in the midst of a brighter light shining and interrupting you and interrupting your way... Maybe you see you're truly not walking in his. If we do not walk in the way, the true nature of our crime has something more to do with us. And we find out what it has to do with in the next verse, Acts 9-4. It says, he fell to the ground. We'll read it again. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You remember where Saul was going? Saul was going to Damascus to take care of these people called the way. Saul was going to Damascus to take care of some people who consider their way better than the religious way. But when God interrupts Saul's way, he doesn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting them? He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God points out the issue The true nature of the crime was not the persecution of the people. It was he was persecuting God. And if we do not walk in the way of Jesus, the true nature of our crime has more to do with God than ourselves or with other people. We're walking in offense to his will. And you wonder why you have no peace in the midst of a crisis like COVID-19. Because what happens is we, we think, you know, we read scriptures like honor your brother and sister and, and bless those who persecute you and when, 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 when someone strikes one cheek, turn on the other. We think it's about them. But it's not about them. It's about how you honor your God in that he gave you a new Passover covenant that in the blood his judgment will pass over you and you're seen as righteous. You're seen as perfect. And he says, when you don't live as righteous and when you don't live as perfect as he sees you, the the crime is not against the person or the enemy or even yourself. The crime is against him. You've made a mockery out of the new Passover. He says, Saul, this is not about you persecuting the people. You're persecuting me. And in verses 5 through 6, it says, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. When God spoke to him, Saul asked the two most important questions anyone could ask. And I would beg to, for you to agree That these are the two most important questions we can ask right now as a church and as a nation. First question Who are you, Lord? Because the truth of the matter is, when God speaks, his voice cannot possibly be mixed up with another's. So maybe the first question needs to be Are you at a place in the walking in the way where you recognize the voice? Maybe in the midst of interruption, we need to start saying, who are you, God? Because maybe you missed it. Maybe you missed who He is. Maybe you have failed to see Him in every aspect of your life. Then the second question Paul sa- or Saul says is, What do you want me to do? He didn't say, Will you cure my disease? He didn't say, Why do we suffer? He didn't ask, How can I get better? He didn't ask, God, Why'd you do this? He just says, What do you want me to do? Who are you? what do you want me to do but isn't that the opposite of what we do in the times of interruption in the midst of COVID-19 we're asking what should what should we do we're asking are we going to should I get this should I get that God when are you going to show up God when are you going to do this God, when are you going to deliver us? God, when are you going to stop it? God, when you, God, when you, God, when you? And maybe the question we should be asking is, God, what do you want us to do? Because we forget the whole point of Jesus coming is not just to make you feel better about death. The whole point of Jesus saving us was that we would be made right to walk in the authority as kings of this earth under God and restore things if we carry that authority as kingdom citizens of heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven, if we carry that level of authority because the judgment has been passed over because we are now under the blood, if we carry that level of authority in our lives, maybe the key to COVID-19 is not God deliver us, God cure us, maybe the prayer should be God, what would you have us do? And when he says, who are you? God says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And it's hard for you to kick against the goads. A goad is a sharp stick. It was used to get an ox, an, an ox to go in the way that they wanted the ox to go in for plowing. When they would use the oxen to, to plow the crops, the farmer would jab the ox to get the ox to walk in the farmer's way. And here Jesus says it's pretty hard to, I'm going to read it again. It's hard for you to kick kick against the goads, isn't it? Jesus says, Saul, you're too valuable for me to keep letting you do what you want to do. So I'm going to put some goads up in your life. What is the goad? Interrupted his way, bright light, Road to Damascus experience. Jesus says, I'm going to interrupt your day so that you can start asking the right questions. Not the question he started off with in the beginning of this chapter, which was, priests, can I arrest people following the way? No, 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 no. He he, he wanted him to ask Jesus, what way do you want me to walk in? I love that God loves us enough to stick us with goads because he knows what's best for us. Because he, after all, is the one who designed us. He loves me enough to say, Kyle, if you walk in your way, you're going to be miserable. But if you walk in my way, you'll have a peace that surpasses understanding. Not that you won't go through miserable times, but that when you go through miserable times, you're going to have a peace when usually you should be in misery. You see, peace that surpasses understanding doesn't mean you won't go through hard times. It means you'll have peace when everyone else doesn't. And I would beg to say, and I boldly say this, Church, if you don't have peace in the midst of COVID-19, you have to ask the question, are you truly walking in the way? Or is God using this as a goad to get you back in alignment? Because if you're in the way, this doesn't shake you. If you're walking in the way, this does not cause anxiety or worry. Well, Kyle, you don't understand. I'm I'm not working. Money's not coming in. You don't know what I'm going through. It's a time of crisis. We'll never be the same. Thank God we'll never be the same. Same is not working. Same is getting a a country embracing sin. Same is getting the country to embrace all of these wrong things. I don't want America to be the same. I don't want Savannah to be the same. God does not want us to be the same. This is a goad, if you will, using something to make it work for our good. We We don't need to want to get back to same. What we need to want is God. What do you want us to do to get back to how you want it? And it will look different than it ever has before. Praise God that we can use this to bring change. I hope this is okay. Continuing on in Acts chapter 9, verses 7 through 9, the men with Saul stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat, and he did not drink. Saul closed his eyes in fear, and his eyes were open to seeing nothing a very humbling experience for this Saul who was trying to exterminate the way. He was so shaken because he was humbled in his pride of his way that when he woke up to seeing nothing, he was so shaken, so interrupted, that he didn't eat and he didn't drink. In layman's terms, he was dying to himself. He was literally dying to himself. Maybe a key for walking in the way is asking God to allow us to see only what he wants us to see so that it would cause us to be shaken to such a degree that it's, God, what do you want? And I will die to myself until I walk in what you would have me walk in. Saul being made blind made him see that he needed God more than ever. It showed him he needed the strength of his own men to help him get up. Because remember, Saul was a high official. He walked in pride. He walked with all the stuff he needed to do whatever he wanted. He had the authority to kill anyone who simply proclaimed that they believed in the way. And all of a sudden, because of the goad, the interruption of bright light, he said, who are you? What should I do? And when he got up, he saw something that he should have seen before. That there is nothing without the way. He was humbled from a man who had everything to a man who didn't know how to operate. He was dying to himself. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Maybe the biggest thing we can celebrate God for is maybe we're being humbled right now. Maybe God is using a crisis to humble us and get us on our knees to re- and realize, oh, I haven't depended on God. I've been depending on my job. I've been depending on myself. I've been depending on my routine. Because if you're truly leaning on God, this would not shake you. So let's see what God does. Starting in verse 10 of Acts chapter 9 through 12. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. Say that about 10 times. Straight Street, Straight street, Street. To the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. Do you realize not just in what God is speaking to Ananias, but Saul has seen a vision having to depend on someone that he was coming to kill. Talk about humility. Talk about interruption and what his goal was and his routine was. Funny. Saul had a vision of God that blinded him. When Ananias had this vision from God, it was pleasing to him. And Ananias wasn't even an apostle. He simply believed and was a follower of the way. Saul was blinded and given a very vague directive. Go in the city, wait, I'll tell you what to do. Ananias got specific directives. You see... Saul didn't know where to go to wait for Ananias. He was just told, go in the city and wait for a man named Ananias. But look at the specifics that Ananias got. Go to a specific street, straight. Go to to a specific house, Judas. Go to a specific man, Saul of Tarsus. He's doing a specific thing. He is praying for confirmation for, for this man to come and pray for him. Why am I pointing all this out? When you embrace a lifestyle of the way, God's directives become more and more specific because specific flows from seeking day to day and God is no longer trying to win you over to worship him. He is responding to your worship of walking in the way. You see, when he interrupted Saul, he had to spend time of getting Saul to see who he was. And I believe a lot of us are wanting answers and vision and clarity. And the fact of the matter is, you may not be getting clarity because God still has not heard your voice saying that you worship Him. Why is God going to give you specifics if He can't even get a I love you out of you? If He can't even get a blessing out of you? If He can't even get a lifestyle change of any sort? Yet you want God to answer you in your time of crisis, and He does not even recognize your voice when you call out to Him. The fact of the matter is, we'll see later on, God never saw Saul as Saul, He saw him as Paul. God was not focused on, I'm speaking to you off of your worship. He was, I'm speaking to you because you don't even know who you are and you don't know who I am. And people always complain about why isn't God hearing my prayers? Why am I not getting directives? Why am I not getting strategies? Maybe it's because he's responding to something that he has not heard. Amen. In verse 13 of Acts 9 through 15, But Lord exclaim Ananias I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man has done to the believer uh, believers in Jerusalem he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name but the Lord said go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and the kings as well as the people of Israel notice that Ananias is not rebuked for questioning and needing clarification I just want to speak that to some of you. Some of you are so scared to just simply ask for clarification. God doesn't rebuke that. He welcomes it. Why? He sees you as righteous. He sees you as perfect. He sees you as a son or a daughter. We sang a song tonight that talked about, it feels like I'm coming home for the first time in a long time. Let the prodigals come home. The prodigals come home. We always talk about the story of the prodigal son and how the son returned to the father and and how that the prodigals return and sons are welcome but I think if we really read the story the story's more about the father than the son because what we see is no matter how far the son separated the father was always welcoming and ready for the son to return that's a picture of our father he's always ready and welcome so if he gives you a directive and you don't understand it sometimes we're scared to say God why he's a loving father He's passing the judgment over you. He says, just ask me. I'll tell you. Ananias asked, and God didn't rebuke him. He says, go. Saul is my chosen instrument. Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? Saul was one of the biggest persecutors and killers of people, a killer, murderer of Christians of the way. And God says, he was always my plan. But I need you to get him ready. What if the lost who are chosen are waiting on us for them to have the people to go to when they had their blinding light road to Damascus pricking of goads experience? Because walking in the way is not just about you. We have a call to the lost. And what if there's people out there who are having an experience right now in the midst of COVID-19 where they're seeing God for the first time with all the believers around this person really don't even know God themselves. And God's waiting for us to wake up so he can say, hey, there's someone waiting for you. And for some of us, it could be that husband or wife at home. It could be that child. It could be that parent that's a phone call away. And they've been waiting for you to wake up. And they don't even know it. Acts 9.16 says this, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Saul is about to go from a life of privilege to embracing suffering for a higher call of walking in the way. What are you willing to embrace by walking in the way? Because if we can just be honest, I believe the church has given us a very false ideology. Because every church gets members by preaching, if you get saved, life is easier and life is better. But the fact of the matter is, if you read this scripture correctly, when you become a follower of Jesus, you're bringing on a lot more than you realize and it will cost you and it says it will cost you a life of sacrifice Saul had a, had an experience with God where he said I can stay in my course and have wealth and have it easy because I'm at the top of the game where I can embrace this new way and I'm going to be humbled and I'm going to suffer. Are you willing to suffer for his name? Are you willing to embrace a life that may not be so glamorous because you care more about storing up treasure in heaven than in your pocket or in your physical house? So in verse 17, Acts 9, 17 through 18, it says, Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. And then he got up and he was baptized. You notice how Ananias regarded this murderer of believers? He didn't say, hey Saul, you murderer. He said, brother, brother. Saul because when you walk in the way you start to regard people how God sees them not based off of their past and not even based off their present second Corinthians five sixteen says it like this we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view how differently we know him now when we when we when he allowed and humbled himself to the one that he was seeking to kill, when he humbled himself to this Ananias, when he humbled himself to even God, he found that the man Ananias waiting was looking at life through a completely different lens to where he says, I'm no longer seeing you as a murderer, I'm seeing you as a brother. And I wonder what scales are still in our eyes do you still view things like the dead man you were before Christ? Do you still see things through the lens of someone hurt? Or do you see through a new lens? A lens of life, a lens of redemption, a lens of deliverance, a lens of opportunity. And if you are not seeing things through a new lens and you're still seeing through the lens of bitterness and hurt and pain and anger and strife and panic, It really begs to ask, are you truly walking in the way of which you've been delivered? Because the way is deliverance. The way is life. Acts 9.19 says this, Afterward, he ate some food, regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. After being regarded through the new lens by Ananias, having his hands laid on him, coming to know Jesus, being baptized, is as he ate food and gained strength. He was regaining physical strength and spiritual strength, and now becoming friends with the very people that he sought to kill. Walking in the way results in a radical transformation of your nature. I'm just going to say it like it is. If you claim to be someone walking in the way, there comes a radical transformation of who you are. Because what happens is not just an eternal security type of thing. It's a new identity is put on you and scales fall off. You start to see differently, through a different lens, regard things differently. And there's a transformation of of your nature because you're no longer in the chains of a sinful nature. You're walking in the way of life and love and a godly nature, a perfected righteous nature doesn't mean you get it right every time. But your walk looks different. In verses 20 through 22, it says immediately after he regained strength for a few days, it says he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? And Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus could not refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Radical transformation. His way was, I'm coming to kill him. And in a matter of days, it was I'm coming to redeem him in the way that I disagreed with. Second Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. When you walk in the way, you begin a new life. After a while, in verse 23 some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about the plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him into a large basket through an opening in the city wall. <laughs> Walking in the way gives you a new reputation, but it also gives you different battles and challenges. Because think about this. Saul was a man who could walk wherever he wanted, go wherever he wanted, do whatever he wanted to do, and a man with that level of authority has now been humbled to hiding in a basket through a hole in the wall. Even God's deliverance can come in humbling ways. Because there certainly isn't anything triumphant about sneaking out in a basket so that he wouldn't get killed by the people that he, was com- uh, that, that he was once a part of. Because Saul was no longer defining triumph by a human point of view. It was no longer, what can I get for myself? It was, I can't deny this truth. In verse 26, it says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem... He tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Funny. Because they all knew he changed in Damascus. But when he went back to Jerusalem, they still regarded him as the old reputation. It says they did not believe that he truly became a believer. And then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. And he also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus In Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. Saul didn't think I made the wrong decision. He understood, and he was patient in letting the believers see the new Saul. Because think about this. Saul just gave up everything for the way the way that he was coming against. And when he came back, they didn't receive him. And I think so many times in the Christian life, when people don't receive us, we question, did we make the right decision? When people don't receive you, you question, did I make the right move? Because for some reason, we've gotten in our minds that when we make the right choice, it comes with just greatness. But maybe sometimes the first step is true humility and Saul didn't question it you know in Galatians when Saul was referred to as Paul Paul writes that in that trip he, the apostles he stayed with in this time was with Peter and James for 15 days before he was accepted after they saw him as a new creation walking in the way that he was trying to once extinguish he stayed with them for 15 days Because this man who had all this right and all this authority essentially had to prove himself before men that were nobodies. To say, I'm humbling myself before you. I made a wrong decision before, and I'm walking in a new identity. And after they finally saw the new creation, after they saw who Saul truly was, he started preaching so boldly that he had assassination attempts on his life the believers that did not receive him he preached so boldly and he proved himself so much they they started protecting him and they said we're going to send you home again Saul this high up man who had all the authority in the world was now at the hands of a bunch of nobodies because he saw things different he was transformed, he was changed he was new he no longer saw himself, himself as high up, but he was walking in the way of a humble man in the eyes of the Lord. The last couple verses in verse 30. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea, sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown, and the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. We would find out that Saul, when he goes back to his hometown, under the covering of the believers, he would have stayed there about 12 years, waiting for God to send him again. And after this whole chapter about how Saul began to simply walk in the way, the fruit of the believers coming together, seeing him differently, after Saul saw God differently, it says peace came, strength came, and God caused the church to grow. Imagine the peace and the strength that would sweep over us in this time of panic and distress we actually started to walk in the way. We start to do that. When we start to humble ourselves and ask the right questions, God, who are you? God, what should we do? When we start to humble ourselves and actually depend on him, walk in his way, have a peace that surpasses all understanding, if we actually start to do that, imagine the the church on fire that the world would see. A people being secured in the arms of a father. It's very interesting in the times of crisis, people persecute Christians for believing in a God they can see, but they run from a disease that they can't. And with the Holy Spirit, if we start to walk in the way, people are going to come back to him. And that's why I'm not looking at this time as, with COVID-19 as a time to panic or distress. This is the best time for us, church. This is the best time for us to start actually walking in the way and embracing the way. Because when all this is over, by the time it's all done, let's let the fruit of this be that people see a church wrapped up in the arms of a father. A people walking in the way being humble to all the circumstances and saying, God, what do you want us to do? Maybe it's starting at home. Maybe it's going to serve something. I don't know what it is for you, but it's time we start asking the right questions. Men, fathers who are watching, maybe it's time you open your Bibles tonight and actually led your kids instead of depending on me. Mothers. sons daughters maybe it's time we actually put god at the head of the dinner, the dinner table at the head of the tv at the head of the music maybe it's time we actually start walking this thing out let's begin walking in the way church the world will see a church on fire and god will get glory